from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 topics that make us go wow. <coughs> I am co-founder of World of Wonder, Fenton uh, Bailey, and I'm joined by our Chief Creative Officer, Tom Campbell, and the legendary James St. James, editor of the Wow Report. And I am beside myself with excitement because this week we are so honored to welcome and be joined by... Number 10. T.S. Madison. Wow. Oh, you know, I'm always here because, you know, I don't even <clears throat> I don't even know why you guys welcome me here. You know, I'm, I'm World of Wonder family. Yes, our family. And you're so gracious to come again and again. I promise we won't talk about cannibalism this time. Well, good, good, because I'm ready to eat anyway. <laughs> well, I want to say this. I'd like to put this. I would like to put this disclaimer out right now. Right. So that everybody's listening to the WOW report and watching. I would like to say. And I don't want to get emotional. But I would like to say World of Wonder has been the biggest part of my journey, the biggest part of my career, the biggest part of my star expanding, like the largest part. This has been the biggest part of me. And I want to say thank you to you guys so much for always making me visible in spaces where people didn't even want to look at me, you know? And if it was not for World of Wonder, God putting World of Wonder in my path and in my life, I don't know where my career would be. Like, you guys have been there for me. You guys have made spaces for me. You guys have made, like, it's, I will, I, I love everybody at well i love, yes, you, love everybody. You, are, you are really going to make me cry, and I'm a bitch <laughs> who never sheds a tear. But you are... You are a star, and thank you for saying that, but you are a star, and never has your star shone brighter, I think, than this past week with your with your part in Bros. Number nine. Yeah, I mean, I think Bros, I really, now here's the thing, Bros is great, and I, I really wish they would have let me give them the T.S. Madison that I wanted to give them. However, I know that I'm an actress, and so I, I gave them enough to, you know, to, you know, but I, I, I just want to say that it's it, bros is such an amazing thing, and it's such an amazing uh, statement piece for us as LGBTQIA people. And um, there was there were so many um people that gave the, the movie excellent reviews and like Rotten Tomatoes, like we were ninety what ninety five ninety six yeah. something really yeah. high on Rotten Tomatoes, and I was like, wow, like, and it feels so good to be a part of something that's so iconic for our for our community. And I say our community because, and I love Billy. Billy is, Billy, I love Billy. Billy is my people's. But there were some things that came out where Billy had stated that these straight people didn't show up for, for the film. And here's the thing. This is for us. Straight people ain't, remember straight people, they had a nice run, okay? <laughs> Great line for the movie. Yeah, this is for us. And we need to be, as as people under the umbrella and under the rainbow, we need to be really deep out here pushing this, celebrating this, and and, and, and making this thing so solid in our history that you know people talk about this stuff when they when they refer to things in lbgt um 
in our community. And so we just need to be, it needs to be more understood. This is for us. Yes, I do want to just say that it's, it's fabulous as the whole movie is and the writing and everything is so on point and everything about it, it just works. But my favorite scenes are the scenes with you and Miss Lawrence and uh, Dot Marie Jones, who I just love more oh, than life man. itself. I it's the movie really soars when it it goes off on the little you know when Harvey Firestein shows up when mm-hmm. Bo and Yang shows up like mm-hmm. the the casting in it is so spectacular and everybody has a seat at the table quite literally everybody all at all ends of the spectrum are represented there are thruples there are orgies i mean there's there's a little bit of everything in gay culture there and it's so wonderful to see how beautiful you are on the big screen. You yeah. just, you are a natural. You need more big screen. Movie appearances. star. Yes, movie, movie star. star. Listen, James, yeah. you, listen, I love the way you said that and because you, you named everybody, the thruples, the couples, the this, and then there's Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, well, Steve, can I just tell you, Steve is Theron. <laughs> I've been in a few, I've been in a few or, uh, orgies with Theron, and that is... <laughs> Steve is Steve is there's there's a three way gonna happen a, a, an orgy and Steve just shows up at the right time and then tries to inter- put himself into the thing <laughs> either on Steve or Harvey or Steve or what happens oh my god so <laughs> so you know this movie is good and I'm so glad that people you know people that did go out and watch it and there and I, I do believe that there are going to be more people that are going to go out and watch it because there's so much buzz there's so much talk about it. There's so much stuff going on around the movie, and I just... Two things I want to say. One is what you're saying. It's like, it's for us. It's for the world. It's for everybody. It's going to live on all these platforms afterwards. The, the idea of getting this made and having the support and having it cast and having it come out good, having it come out great, is next to impossible. Just yeah. on Earth. And then I do think... I mean, we, we think like there's a documentary to be made, but like, what does box office weekend mean anymore you know and and like they're going to make their money back some of the expectations were set so high that it couldn't help but be kind of perceived as like coming in lower than it was expected but it's number still four. this Out incredible of ten, four yeah and and yeah, I, 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 I want to review the movie because i saw it not once but twice this week and that's how much i loved it yeah. yeah, we we should not be bitching about having a movie in the top ten. I mean, it's just that that's a win-win. For I have everybody. a theory though. I have a theory that since COVID and if people are gradually going back to the movies, the way we watch movies has changed. Oh, totally. Because look, look at the "Don't Worry, Darling" fuss over that. It's suddenly the movie has become part of a whole meta experience of everybody having something to say, everybody weighing in, everybody fighting. There's a meta life well, to the movie. But now, having said that, though, that that one of the arguments about the, the the release of the movie was that it, as a rom com, first of all, people aren't seeing rom coms in theaters as much anymore. That the, that's a streaming thing, and that maybe if this was released instead of in October during Spooky Month, that if it was like February 14th or you know in the summer, it might have gotten more people in the theater. But like you said, once it hits streaming, it's going to be a forever classic. It's forever. 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 Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been made. It is out there, and it will live forever. So, and the studio will make their money back because there's so many things. It's so much stuff that didn't make the cut that they can use. They can box it up and put it out. We did so much on that film. It was crazy. Like so much. It was so much improv 
and and the the things that you didn't get to see Madison do, Madison did do it. But you know, <laughs> well, maybe they save it to, for that. You know, I want to see that T.S. Madison edit of Broadway. Oh God, it so was a like there was a part where we were, we were. Oh my God, there was a part where we did the parade. Like there were part like the parade was a big thing. Yeah. We filmed the parade for like two days, and like when I when I saw the movie, I was like, "Oh shit, we don't got the good. Where's the stuff that happened? Like they, it was a fight at the parade, and then um like the bloopers where I kept saying, LBGT, and then and Billy would stop saying Madison, look to your right, the thing says LGBT, and I'm like, well fuck it, LBGT. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> the stuff that just happened. I wrote like it was so much things that happened in the boardroom that didn't make the cut, like. The movie was so good. It was so good. And I mean, me sitting there watching it in Toronto with 2,000 people getting it, like getting it, getting the jokes. They were laughing at it. And it was, I, was, I was less critical on myself by the time, because I was critical when it first came out. Because I was like, I was like, damn, that's COVID weight on me. Look at all that COVID weight. Oh no! <laughs> oh, no. That's what I was saying. Look at all that damn COVID weight. Look at I was reading. Then I was like, "Damn, I, I, I should have said the line better than that." It, it, I mean, and then when you I started, can't watching, get into your own head. You cannot overthink. I was there. Own- I'm not yeah. gonna try. I was yeah. there. But when I watched it again, the last time I watched it was in Atlanta on September 29th, the day before it premiered, like to the world, and the people were laughing as a, and I, I actually saw the movie. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I've watched it like five times, but the fifth time I saw the movie, and I was like. Yeah, this is good. You were you were able to get out of your own head a little bit yeah. and just see it as a totality. I, yeah. After I saw it, I went to that premiere here in LA and I, I texted Tom immediately right up saying you gotta go see it. And Tom went and saw it the next day. And we were talking and we were like, There is so much in this movie. It is so packed. Like it just comes at you like a like a what's that expression? A hose pipe? Like a, <laughs> like like a, a speeding train. A it's coming pipe. at you like a speeding train. <laughs> it had me a hose. And I loved, I loved all the little Hallmark parodies. And I oh, yeah. fascinating article. Have a Holly Polly Christmas or whatever. Oh, yeah. yes. oh God. And the movie oh, God. I want to see, and if I don't see it, I'm going to go fucking make it, is The Treasure Inside. The move, the broke back parody that they were gonna shoot, oh. the treasure inside. The because treasure I, I am sick of all the gay movies, basically, in which the gay people die or have a miserable time or it's heartache. This is full of joy and affirmation, and I, I just think we're so unused to that as a community. But, but no, but by the same token, you know, people have been saying that, that this is a groundbreaking thing, but we are in a, his, a, a really historical period right now where we have. Love, Simon, where we have Moonlight, where we have, you know, a lot of positive gay things that are gay movies that are out there. So much gay product on television. It really is a wonderful time to be gay in Hollywood. I I I saw it twice. I laughed both times. I forgot about so many funny things that happened. I teared up several times. I out and out cried more than once. It's, 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 I think it really touches upon so many things and I am, I want my sister or somebody to see it and give me a, 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 a the straight point of view. But I and think I gotta it, say that Luke McFarlane, oh what a little cutie. I had no idea. I never watched sisters. What a cute, he needs to be a bigger star than he is. We need to cast him in everything. Yeah. He's so sweet too. And he has nice feet. 
Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> I very lickable feet. I would lick those very, feet. very nice feet. I told him, I said, Ooh, look, you have some nice feet. I said, <laughs> so, I said, the very first time I met you, I looked at your fingers, and then when I watched you on the screen, I looked at your toes. He says, Oh, god, what did you think about them? I said, They're so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, and now moving on to number eight. Number eight. Madison, T.S. Madison, you have another starring role dropping very soon. The trailer dropped. uh, For Bring Back My Girls. Yes. Tell us about Bring Back My Girls. Oh, listen, so these fabulous people over at World of Wonder, they always find me something to do. And I think one of the most fabulous people they always find me, well, three of the fabulous people is, you know, uh, Randy Barbato and Fitton Bailey and and definitely Tom Campbell. They always find me something to do. And, you know, we filmed these uh, beautiful Bring Back, uh, uh, shows for reunion shows. I have to say that all of them were spectacular for me. I, we did them at DragCon. Yep. So, so the most important one that I'm 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 so excited about was Jada season, Jada Essence Hall season, uh, season twelve. Yeah, I was I'm excited to do that reunion because they didn't get an opportunity to have a proper RuPaul reunion like on television yeah. and stuff like that. And so I really felt like that I was filling in for mother. They're like, you know, I was really filling in for mother. Like, okay, girl. So Ru told me that this is the job that I needed to do while she while she's gallivanting over there in Netherlands somewhere, honey, doing another drag race. But <laughs> I felt so good about this because this was the first time that all the girls from season 12 were able to have a proper, a proper reunion with a renowned queen. I remember because their season was shot before COVID. And then just as we were getting ready to do the finale in Vegas, we had to reach out to each of them and say, we're not doing it. We're not gathering. And it was one of the first kind of shut down because of COVID things. And they, yeah. they were angry. They didn't believe us. And we're like, really, There's this isn't personal. This is really what's happening. And the, the, the idea was to like, this drag con pass was like, let's reunite them. Let's give them the, the show they wanted. And then we realized because it was po- after the COVID uh, thing, the, the, uh, the con was full of queens, like more queens than ever before. So we thought, wouldn't it be great to have Madison host cast after cast, region after region, and do these incredible reunions. And Madison, queens are outspoken all by themselves, but with Madison as your host, <laughs> anything and everything happens. Is all I can well, say. How, many, how many episodes did you do? Uh, seven. Se- okay. Oh, okay. And the ca- Madison, yes, the Canadians. Oh my I, God. I was just, I was, that's what I was going to say. Now that one was very intense for me. Because I was, I, I at first I was like, wait, are they really beefing? Is this really a real beef? Because, you know, it's a lot of drag race. And it can be a lot of drag race for me. And drag queens can be drama queens and turn it on and off at the well, drop of a hat. But this was real. This was real. And I was like, oh, okay, I need to diffuse this. Because this is like really... No, I don't want this. We didn't come all the way to DragCon to, to tear DragCon up like this. Now. We're not going to do this. Now, listen, I don't know what's going on between you ladies, but and because I, I haven't seen this, but however, we need to make sure that we, we know that we're here for the fans. The fans came here to have a good time, and we're not going to give them this. Whatever needs to happen, you ladies need to talk about this outside of this. Do Take not it outside. Give, Take yeah. it outside. Do uh-huh. not give these trolls and the people 
this thing to live on forever in like oh this we went to drag con and it was this hat no we're not doing that here that's not what we're gonna do you know and i didn't know that this was that i was gonna have to do that because i thought everything was yay happy joy <laughs> but it will it got real real for a minute and i wasn't scared because i like that kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> But we was just—we were not going to do that. Not on my watch. In the words of I had not on my watch. And they really did take it outside. I mean, no one saw that coming. I really at all. Like no, like I'm the host sitting there, and I'm and I I I was taken back for a moment because I was like, wait, so is there real? Because she 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 asked me. She says, "May I speak? I need to speak about something." I said, "Well, okay, sure." And it's like, well, I'm not gonna. And then the response, I, it was like ping pong. And I said, "Hey, this is real." Oh no, we can't do this here. We're not gonna. We're not gonna make. We're not gonna take mother's name. When T.S. Madison shuts you down, you know you cross a line. Yeah, because I was like, wait a minute, because you know I'm I'm really, I'm all for a good brawl, a good bar fight, honey. You know, I'm for that. <laughs> but it's just like we're we're we are we have to take we're here to celebrate. Time. Yeah, we're here to celebrate. Like we just got back from COVID, we all are, are able to roundhouse, and you know we're able to be to do this in front of yes, to be together, our community. Yeah, we're not going to do this. Do you think the House of Love cocktails had anything anything to do with it? House of Love cocktails sponsored the. Uh, I, the I want to let you, I want to let you guys know that I House of Love cocktails. I will when I want a real buzz. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to really crank my gears up, slap me a House of Love cocktail. Honey. <laughs> I'll tell you something. I was watching on um, uh, via camera. I was watching like the Instagram and everything. And as the as the day progressed, I saw everyone getting. I saw queens falling down. I saw people getting sloppier and sloppier. I saw the draw. I would like to remind our listening audience that we have delicious canned cocktails at different alcohol <laughs> levels, and we have mouth watering mocktails, alcohol free. So but those cocktails pack a wallop. We're also saying two cocktails, one can now, just to help people pace themselves. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't send me the martillos. I want the cocktails. <laughs> we, had, <laughs> we had Simone uh, shotgun one at DragCon. That'll do it. Oh, That'll do no. it. If you chug it really fast, like if you chug the, the watermelon one really fast, you will get like a, you'll be able to like, ooh. Ooh la la. <laughs> Ooh, oh my God. But listen, House of Love did a thing. House of Love did a thing for doing that Bring Back My Girls. House of Love did a thing. It is an amazing thing. And I want to tell you, honey, those English girls. <laughs> yes. Some UK I was, I, I was, I was with my eyes squinted a little bit trying to figure out, okay, now. I'm trying to understand. I'm already. I already have a, 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 a the, the English is, and everybody was a bit of this, and someone Scotland, and then someone from England, and it was some Sussex. And I was like, okay, and I'm trying to figure it out, and then I said, fuck it, let me just let them talk. <laughs> <laughs> and taste got up and never came back because she had to pee because she had drank so many. She oh drank so many House of Love cocktails. Oh, all right. <laughs> Can I just wrap back to you? You gave us such a compliment early on. I didn't say T.S. Madison. Uh, knowing you, being in your presence, ha- counting you as a friend and a co-worker is just 
such a light in all of our lives and in my life, I will say, and, and, and I don't say that lightly and I'm not being glib or overstating there. We love you. I love you. And, love uh, you know, here's to a, a beautiful, wonderful uh, future as, because, you know, by the way, for those who don't know, T.S. Madison also is sampled by Beyonce on her I was just going to say, Maddie, it has been a hell of a year for you. It is just, every time I turn around, you were doing something else. And I saw um, a, a TikTok today or something of you and you were like, I am movie star. I am music. <laughs> I am streaming and I am porn. I am everywhere. You everywhere. turn it up. That's right. Because this is what I do. Hey, Alexa. Who is T.S. Madison? <laughs> T.S. Madison Hinton, also known as Maddie, is an American reality television personality, actress, and LGBT activist. With the reality show, The T.S. Madison Experience, she became the first black trans woman to star in and executive produce her own reality series. Hinton rose to fame in 2013 after going viral following the release of a Vine clip titled New Week 22 Inches. By the way, we have a new application. Shut up, girl. Hush. (laughs) That is amazing. T.S. Madison, we bow down before you. We love and adore you. Every time we see you on the big screen, we just want more. Go see bros this weekend. Do yourself a favor. T.S. Madison's in it. Many other people. It is a great movie. And the trailer has just dropped for Bring Back My Girls, which is coming to Wow Presents Plus on October 18th, in which T.S. Madison masterfully wrangles multiple casts of multiple seasons of Drag Race in epic reunions with bizarre accents, a drama, both imagined and real, all lubricated by House of Love cocktails. Oh, my God. We're going to take a break. When we come back, nothing will be the same. Powerball on Radio Andy. Love you, Maddie. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. It's Spenton here with Tom and James. And we are counting down the top 10 things this week that made us go wow, as usual. And we have reached number seven. Number seven. You guys, you know, while this lasts, maybe it's just a bubble, but I'm going out to crowds and seeing shows and seeing people. And this past weekend, this is my sleigh bill for drag, the Rusical. The musical, sweetie. <laughs> the music. You've got Rue on your mind. Oh, You've got Rue on the brain. I, I can't even say normal words right anymore. It's a musical. And it is at the Bourbon Room on Hollywood Boulevard. You guys, have you ever heard of the Bourbon Room? Never. No, where is it? I don't know anything about it. It's just beyond Popeyes on Hollywood Boulevard. Now, now I know exactly where we are. It's upstairs. So I think it used to be another club, and we did something else there. But it's been rebranded. Was it like Cinema Tech or something? Was it Cinema? Yes. I think okay. so. Yes. And it's kind of a cool space. Again, I haven't been out in two and a half years. But it's got a big outside bar and restaurant-y kind of thing. Very hipster crowd. And then the long lives go into like a theater that holds maybe, I don't know, 150, 200 people with tables. And there it is, Drag the Musical. And it um, stars so many people that you know and love. Alaska Thunderfuck, who's very involved in the, in the writing of it as well. Juju B, Jackie Cox, Jan Sport, um, Joey McIntyre from New Kids in the Block. And wow. 
the other co-lead with uh, Alaska is Nick Adams. And I didn't know Nick's name, but Nick was uh, was a star on Broadway in uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. So he's no stranger to Broadway, nor to drag. Um, and um, also uh, Aria Cassidyne, who was on uh, Queen of the Universe, that's him we'll remember, also has a prominent role. Um, she's, the big, she's the fantastic singer, isn't she? Uh, all of them. Everyone sounds great. And I left feeling so impressed and proud sounds condescending because there's nothing, I had nothing to do with it, but just like, this is a real production. This is, you know, it, it plays on the weekends. Um, the crowd ate it up with a, you know, spoon and a little bit of gin. Um, and um, it, it's, it's, it ticks all the boxes. It's about two rival uh, clubs and they're in trouble and there's a history and they have to work together at the end. And J- Joey McIntyre plays the straight brother of one of the Queens and, and uh, it's wait, but the, the, the takeaway, takeaway, takeaway is he still just as cute as can be? Oh my god, Joy McIntyre, he's he is such a little darling, he might be cuter than he's ever been. Yes, yes, he, he's got he had a glow up, he was a cute kid, and now he is just a hot daddy, isn't he? He may be the reason I turned out gay because I think he was my first crush, he was my favorite in New Kids on the Ball. Oh, yeah. Well, he's done two things that are very smart and two things that I was unable to do. He kept all of his hair <laughs> and he's super thin. He's thin like a teenager. He's thin like someone who's 22 who doesn't even have to try to be thin. And uh, and he's quite good. So, I mean, I just, the amount of, as we know, but the amount of time and organization and, you know, anything in the theater is such a wing and a prayer. And they've really put together something that's worthwhile, proud of them all. And we'll see where it goes next. And if it lives beyond, I think it's playing for a couple of weeks or for the month. It runs um, through October 15th at the Bourbon Room. And we'll put a link to buy tickets and yes. showtimes on the WOW Report. But if, if you're listening to this or watching this, you probably are a fan of drag. And don't forget, Slay Bill, drag the musical with all the wonderful people I mentioned. Adore. All right, number six, James. Number six. Number six. This one is a shout out to Blake. This one is I'm 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 suggesting something for you. I really want you to take me seriously and pay attention. Unlike the others here who never pay attention to my suggestions, but this is Big Sky on ABC. David E. Kelly's uh, series that we've talked about before. But each season, it is set in in the backwoods, Montana, and it's always these sort of crazy, spooky characters and there's these two hotsy totsy detectives who you know take down serial killers and drug cartels and whatever and every season it's a different bad guy in this season it's <clears throat> there's a serial killer in the woods who's taking who's carving the hearts out of campers and hikers and some guy goes missing and down the road reba mcintyre has set up camp and she is she has a glamping company in which high-end pe- rich people come and have high-end camping experiences and she's a little off there's something a little off about Reba, and you don't know what it is. And you, you sort of like, and by the end of the first episode, spoiler alert, she's making s'mores, and she takes them out into the woods, and she's like, come on, baby, come on out, mama wants to talk to you. And the serial killer comes limping out, and he's this sort of crazed mountain man, and she's like, mama knows what you've been up to, and mama's not happy. I've always told you to stay low. And so she's like this crazy mother of a crazed serial killer, 
and it is so much fun. She is so hysterical. She was. You don't need to know anything else about the show. You just need to know that every season, so you can start at the first episode of this season, and it is. So you had fun. me at Reba. Yeah, you yeah. Had, she you was, had was my first. She was I, my first three concerts ever. I love Reba. I had a life-size cardboard cutout of her holding a bag of Fritos <laughs> in my bedroom when I was a kid. Um, she's playing the Hollywood Bowl next April, and I have to go and get tickets. Well, I saw her at the. I told you I saw her. She was in South Pacific at the Hollywood Bowl. Randy took me to go see that. That was absolutely spectacular. The other very quick thing I got a I got a shout out about this season of Big Sky is that Jensen Eccles has joined the cast, and he is the sheriff. He's the he's the sheriff, and he is so handsome. Easily the handsomest man on television. He's so good looking and he's so gruff and he's like, he's very sexy and he's getting it on with all the women on the show. Um, and he's also having a, a sort of a renaissance too because he's also on The Boys now. He is a Soldier Boy on The Boys and he is just as sexy on that. So it's a Jensen Eccles Palooza. Uh, happening in the world, but at Reba too. So watch Big Sky, everybody. Keep it on uh, television. Has there been an opportunity, or do you imagine there will be an opportunity for Mama Reba to sing? I, I believe so, because there's a lot of like, she's sitting around the, the campfire and she's, you know, so, so the, like, and I think she's sort of hummed a little bit. She's like, mm-hmm. may I suggest that's the night the lots went out in Montana. <laughs> there you go. Sold. Big Sky, Wednesdays, 10 p.m. ABC. I, I don't want to bring the, the atmosphere down, but number five. Number five. Bleeding for Jesus. This is a story that is unfortunately <laughs> not a drama or unscripted, though it perhaps could be and should be. Let me set the table. I went to boarding school, right? Which in England, they're known as public schools, confusingly enough, because I've never understood that. They're private schools and you have to pay and it's considered the best education money can buy. Your parents scrimp and scrape and give everything they have. They make this huge sacrifice to send you to these honestly horrendous places or they were in the Dickensian. Dickensian, Harry Potter without the magic, bullying, trauma, nasty, dark, violent. So that's, I'm just going to set that scene. So there I am in the 70s at one of these places. And it's, what, 1972 in the UK was the first gay pride. In 1976, Gay Times caused a huge scandal when it published a poem of a centurion, Roman centurion, standing at the base of the cross as Jesus is crucified, having a sexual fantasy about Jesus. And the country well, I'm just, disgusted even in, in 2022. There you go. That's good to know. Country was in an uproar. And Mary Whitehouse, who is this sort of self-styled defender of public morality, a bit of an old bag, sues the Gay Times for blasphemy, a law that hasn't been used in hundreds of years and never successfully. She sues. But the twist is they win. They win the case. And thanks to her brilliant attorney, prosecutor, zealous, Christian, upstanding, handsome, good-looking, sporting man called John Smythe. Now, the thing about John Smythe, family man, married, is that he also runs Christian camps in the summer holidays for boys from these public schools to go to and do sports and be Christian men. Uh Uh-oh. 
do you know where this is going? Yeah. Yes. And he lived, lived near, not by chance, happened to live near the oldest public school in Britain, Winchester. And what he would do is he'd invite fellow young Christian men from the school over to his house for lunch. His wife would cook a lovely lunch and it was all lovely. And then they would be taken to the garden shed at the bottom of his garden. And he'd put up a little white flag, which meant do not disturb. So I guess wife needed to stay away. He would strip them and cane them with thousands of strokes for Jesus, bleeding for Jesus, bleeding for Christ. Oh, he would strip too, by the way. And even though there was nothing sexual about this, no, a, a naked man and a, a schoolboy being beaten, I mean, until blood ran down their legs and they had to wear diapers and horrendous. And well, how do we know this? Is there a, is there a book? A movie? Is, What's going on? Well, I, if you were paying attention at the beginning, I said, I'm reading a book called Bleeding for Jesus. Did oh, I, no, I wasn't that? paying attention. No, that's all. No, I'm terribly sorry. I'm sorry. Keep going. I'm bad. <laughs> no, sorry. You know what? I might not have set it up properly. So thank you, James. Um, yeah, I spent the weekend reading this book, Bleeding for Jesus, uh, aptly titled. So eventually the school found out about this. Did they go to the authorities? No. no. They just banned him from the school. And then the Christian, the, the church found out about it. Did they go to the authorities? No, of course not. <laughs> they sent him on a mission to Africa, to Zimbabwe, where he started doing the exact same thing. Of course. Long story, very short. Never was, never stood trial for any of it. Died before justice could catch up with him. The church and the school all said, oh, we didn't know. But it is a jaw-dropping story. I mean, now, did, but did anyone know at the time? Did you know anything that, that was un, weird about this John Smythe or whatever? Did no, at the, the time 70s, he was this upstanding moral crusader? I right. guess that have been you, the you, you remember the, the gay, the gay, um, you remember when that happened in 76 when they were sued? Oh, absolutely. It was, yeah, it was, it was headline news. Yeah, mm, okay. So a fascinating story, and yet one that just re emphasizes that a religious zealot is a cause of danger and harm to all those around him or her, yeah. right? Yeah. Spirituality, one thing, religious zealot has to get inside you, has to stop things, has to has to force you to see things their way. They're dangerous, scary people. There is a danger. It, and it, I mean, the, the re, life is full of, you know, Republicans who are sort of anti-gay and then get caught with the rent boy. But... <laughs> The sort of level of hypocrisy and insanity of this is just so epic, especially since he won this blasphemy case. It's like my mind is completely blown. And I spent the whole weekend reading this book. Then there's a there's some news reports. I mean, I've just been like sunk in it. So well, it sort of sounds like this is the perfect week to be reading it when we have the hypocrisy of the right surrounding Herschel Walker for you know pr pr propping him up after his abortion thing but yeah. do you think that this is like a netflix series do you think that this is a movie what do you I, think I it actually, is? it's unbelievably and i happen to know two people at different schools who were involved in this and got sucked into it in different ways and i i just realized oh my god this is an incredible epic story and uh, hasn't really been told so um hands Reading off for jesus and who's the who's the author 
<laughs> the author is Andrew Greystone. Make a call. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I have a completely self-serving promo. Screen Age, How TV Shaped Our Reality from Tammy Fader RuPaul's Drag Race by Fenton Bailey. Described as a riotous behind-the-scenes look at all things pop culture with a foreword by Graham Norton is published in the UK. <laughs> in the UK, November 17th. Um, and we just did the cover reveal this week. So we'll post that on the WAR report. But how exciting. Awesome. This is have you been are you having a good time? I'm fully anxious. And uh, you know, I, I read the audiobook last week and I was like, Yeah, did I really say that? Did I? You know, like having to read it in your head is one thing, but to read it aloud, you're like, you really have to own those words. <laughs> Will you be doing any uh, readings and signings at bookstores? Yes, but it's not coming out in the U.S. till the spring. But you can pre-order your hardback copy now. And are you happy with everything? Are you happy with the font? Are you happy with the cover? Are you happy with the Love cover? the font. If only it was just about the font. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all those things really do matter, though. You ha- if, if you go into it happy with 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 everything, the, the making of it, then it ends up being a beautiful experience. I will just throw to break with a quote, a lovely quote from Michelle Visage. Quote, Screen Age is a must read. We finally have a book that recognizes the profound and positive impact television has had on all our lives. Nice. Thank you, Michelle. All right. We'll be right back after the break. This is The Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake, of course. Uh... Okay, so we've reached number four. Number four. I have a rest in perfection that comes uh, from my heart. The queen of country music, Loretta Lynn, passed away at 90 years old. And I don't know how much Loretta Lynn means to you. I grew up, I always say, I, I like a lot of different kinds of music. I grew up in rural New Hampshire. There was WCNL, AM radio. They played country music. Um, she was always on Hee Haw. But in the, I don't know, the 90s or so, I really got deep into like going through and researching lots of female vocalists, Tammy Wynette, Loretta Lynn, and, and, and others, Patsy Cline, on and on and on. And I have to tell you, Loretta Lynn, whose story we all know, or you could know by watching Coal Miner's Daughter, the movie with Sissy Spacek, which won Oscars back in the 70s. But she had, she was a, a feminist, you know, I, I, it, it, you know, she wrote a song, you know, don't come home a drinking with loving on your mind. You know, um, you ain't woman enough to take my man. Uh, the pill. She wrote all, like if Tammy Wynette was all stand by your man. And like, you know, if, if you keep going out to bars, I'll put a jukebox in our basement kind of, you know, all these kind of suffering woman things. Tammy, um, Loretta Lynn was the absolute opposite in her music. And she wrote most of her music. And she has an amazing life because I think she was married like at 14 or 15. She said she left home because she didn't want, she, her mother had a whole bunch of babies and she didn't want to rock the cradle no more. And so she got married. And then in the first four years, she had four children and she didn't. So that was like the late forties is when she got married and her career started in, in the 1960s. And she was best friends with Patsy Cline, who then died very tragically. And Loretta has gone on to surpass Patsy and had so many number ones. She's country. She's, they call her, um, uh, a rural survivor. Um, 
I don't know. What, do you guys have any thoughts of Little I, I do want to also say that, that all of that is absolutely spectacular, and she sings from her heart, and she yeah. sings about what she knows, and she's a strong woman. But she also, in the 2000s, had a real big comeback with Van Leer Rose, which she did with Jack White, and she won a, a buttload of Grammys for that, and it introduced her to a whole new generation of people who were able to idolize her. And she has been she has been recording for fifty odd years. And I mean, you can go through her her discography and find something for you that speaks to you because she is just an amazing woman, and it's very sad. Such an original, and, and yeah. uh, her music lives on. And and her those big wigs and the long gowns that she beaded herself. She is a drag queen uh, prototype, right there. Her gowns are something spectacular. Absolutely. So rest in perfection, Loretta Lynn, and do yourself a favor and go to you know go to your Spotify, whatever, and play some Loretta Lynn songs, and you'll know what we're talking about or be reminded how amazing I don't want calling her Elvis is crazy, but she has that same kind of distinctive primal uh, and, and you can't sing a Loretta Lynn song without a deep accent. Cause she like that. You know, you can't I sing was Loretta. born a coal miner's daughter. Exactly. exactly. Anyway, love you Loretta. All right, let's move on to number three, James. Number three. Number three. I, I watched the three-hour Netflix movie Blonde over the weekend, and I've got to tell... Well, first of all, it's, you know, the story of Marilyn Monroe as told by Joyce Carol Oates, who is, in my opinion, the the greatest living writer. She is my absolute favorite. I have three three shelves dedicated to her. I, I can... She did, can do no wrong in my eyes. Um, this is... Uh, an account of of the abuse that she suffered in her life. And we were talking about the Elvis movie uh, a couple of months ago. And Tom, you were saying that it's sort of a pastiche, that it didn't go deep enough, that it was all surface and didn't tell the real story. This is the opposite of that. This is, um, uh, it delves very deeply into every childhood abuse that she suffered at the hands of her mentally unstable mother. It is every sexual abuse at the hands of Hollywood executives, every physical and emotional abuse that she suffered at the hands of her husbands and lovers. And, you know, it's, it's done in a brutally graphic, graphic, graphic way. And, you know, the thing is that was her life. And if you want to understand her, you need to understand everything that she went through to, to become Marilyn. And, I was able to take it. Tom, you are not allowed to watch this movie specifically. I am saying do not ever go near this movie. You cannot handle it. This is not a Tom Campbell movie, okay? Thank you. But, um, uh, on Twitter, there was a guy, there's a critic named Don, Dan Therio, and I want to read to you what he said because it makes perfect sense to me. He called it a visceral and imagistic film uh, in which the direct the directorial... Uh, delivered with directorial confidence about a woman who uh, it was her tragic rise from her beginnings to the heights to back down again. She was abused and complicit in her own unraveling. And that's sort of the key to understanding her is that she was a part of all of the abuse that happened to her. Um, And that doesn't feel like victim shaming to you that you didn't come away from the film because that's a lot of the criticism. Well, 
It is, but she was a victim, and there is no way around that. There is no way you can ever get around the fact that she and that she participate. There are some scenes where she's participating in a way that's very uncomfortable. But I don't mind being uncomfortable and challenged in a in a, in a work of art. Um, this Dan Theriot goes on to say that the savage reviews in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the New Yorker represent an embarrassing example of film critics not standing up for risky visionary art and capitulating to the present prudish, politically correct, authoritarian, and anti-art movement that is happening in America today. And that's where the criticism comes from, where everybody wants it to be this self-empowered woman who rises above all of all of her abuse and goes on to tackle Hollywood and become a superstar. But that's not the story that they're telling, and that's not the story that Joseph Carroll Oates told. And even if it isn't beat for beat correct of what happened in her life, the overall image of the abuse that this woman took is something that needs to be told especially in a me too movement where it isn't polished and it isn't it is presented as uh, as brutal as is what happened to to Marilyn and it is a, a story that that needs to be told and, it, and we need to you know uh, it's it's like telling the Harvey Weinstein story and and not showing what he did you know what i mean like it hasn't uh, Joyce Carol Oates even said, you know, this is a brilliant, she thinks it's a brilliant film, brilliantly directed, but she says it is not for everybody and it isn't for everybody. I happen yeah. to like these things and, and I'm able to do Does that. There was something I read where an unborn fetus. Speaks yes. To well, there, there, there are some weird directorial choices where the unborn fetus is yelling at her saying, you know, are you going to treat me the way you did the last one? And it gets oh. a little corny and weird. And then there's a scene where she's, having an abortion and it's shown from the point of view of the vagina and it's there's a lot of stuff that is like but once you're two and a half hours in you it all just sort of washes over you at some point but um the casting is very odd because anna de arnes who was in knives out is Marilyn, and every once in a while her Spanish accent sort of comes through and you're like, this is an odd choice, but she does an absolutely flawless job of getting to the the poignancy and the, the beauty and the way that she was able to transcend and put it all onto the screen, put every bit of hurt and pain in her life on screen, and you feel every moment when you watch a Marilyn Monroe movie. And um, it's it's easily Oscar bound. That what, I, what I've done out of Celebration of Maryland is, is to revisit the, the Mark Shane and Scott Whitman songs from Bombshell, which are very poignant. But I, I need a little bit more in a Broadway context in order to. Well, I'll tell you something because there are three things that I've watched with about Marilyn. One, there's a, a short story that Truman Capote wrote about spending the day with her that captures her better than anything I've ever seen. It's called A Beautiful Child. There's um, Norman Mailer wrote a book called Of Women and Their Elegance in which he's telling he's speaking in Marilyn Monroe's voice. And you would think, what the fuck does Marilyn Norman Mailer, you know, how can he get the Marilyn experience? But he does. And then um, uh, just go back and watch some of her movies, you know, go mm -hmm. back and watch uh, comedy, comedy genius. 
will comedy genius, but also there's a poignancy in in and she will break your heart in so many scenes. I my favorite is Prince and the Showgirl that she had so many problems working with Lawrence Olivier because he was his acting style was very uh, mannered and hers was very sort of sloppy. But when you see them together, it is she just vibrates off the screen. And I just say, if you have problems with the movie, go back and watch yes. some Marilyn Monroe. And this may be reductive, but she was an addict. Yep. And stories of addiction, whether it's out, you know, all those people, they all end really ugly or like a lot of behavior that happens during those periods is we don't usually see it. Right. Like I, I made the joke that in Elvis, he was like, he was with two girls with their bras on at the same time. You know, you didn't see the debauchery. Mm-hmm of what uh, a disease and what you know being out of your skin out of your whatever anyway so this you one know, you know, it, it is it's very true right. and but the addiction wouldn't have happened without the abuse and the abuse wouldn't have of happened course, I mean, of it, everything dovetails on everything else and just what this poor woman went through but to be able to leave us with such a an amazing legacy it's just a story that just is as old as hollywood and tom you are right that those stories almost invariably in the same way. But I suppose the journey is always different. And she was such a luminous character and such a fascinating, magnetic. And this really does a good job of showing how she was able to transform all, all of that into these powerful screen performances. Well, that is Blonde, uh, streaming on Netflix, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they're really pushing it these uh, past few weeks. The yeah. Dharma and blonde i mean um and two, and it, the the Dahmer too which is on yeah. netflix that's getting right. um, a lot of controversy and uh numbers number two number two don't hate me i bought the latest book in a genre that is overflowing it's called confidence man it's by Maggie Haberman. The New York oh, Times. no, you didn't. You gave money to that horrible woman. It's about Trump. It's another book ah. about Trump. I can't stop. Here's the reason. I, I was thinking about, I will need, to, I felt that I would need to account on today's show about why I keep reading these books about Trump. And it is true in the sense that I just can't get enough. And I think what it is, is I can't quite believe that people still don't understand or recognize what a dangerous, horrible, evil threat this person is. And so I'm still flabbergasted to read books that try to find a rational explanation or seek to amaze us with stories about his appalling, bad, hideous, evil behavior. It's as if, like, haven't you read any of the other books? Haven't you been, you know? And then I had a second unkind thought, which is Maggie Haberman is a New York Times reporter reporting for New York Times every day. Why was she sitting on this stuff? Well, that's just the whole crux of the damn Where story. the that's F just... was the news when it could have made a difference, when we needed to know it. So Why many of they... these people are doing that. So it has become a whole genre of book of people who are holding on to their stories and long past the time where it could have done anything to help. I think it's called Maga Haberman is her name. Maga, <laughs> not Maggie, because she, you know the story of Maggie, how her mother, she was the Kushner family uh 
PR person. She is the person. She is the one who she's had access to. She has done work with Ivanka and Donald Jr. and Eric. She has access to the Trumps like nobody else on the planet, and she uses it for her own gain instead of do, taking it to the New York Times where she should be sending it. She had all these stories, and she sat on them. I can't believe you gave this horrible woman your money. And the, the other interesting thing is, um, I mean, I think in a way what she has done is not dissimilar to the way Trump has secreted secret documents in Mar-a-Lago. She's basically taken all this information, sat on it until she can release a book. Profit from it. Is, Profit from it. In the introduction, as she's skewering Trump, so she says something along the lines of like people make it always about themselves. Hello. She's yes. talking about herself, how she had access to Trump, how Trump looked to her and said, what do you want me to say? How Trump said she was his psychiatrist. It's like, it's, it's not just about How Trump, dare you about- try and have journalistic objectivity in your job at the New York Times when mm-hmm. you are, in fact, his go-to and his his the person that he's you know unleashed. Uh, it's just it's maddening. The other, the other thing is, I, you know, I watched that series about New York Times, so she's in it, and she comes across as kind of sniffy and unfriendly and sort of unforthcoming, but. In this introduction, because it's 600 pages long and I'm only on the first 50 pages and who knows how far I get. But anyway, in the in the introduction, she talks about how, um, you know, people she's astonished at how people decided to start behaving like Trump. And that is her point to point out how people who oppose Trump quickly descended like became Trump like in terms of trading insults and exceeding the facts. And I was like. You B I T C H. What a piece of work! I and really, here you I, are now. You're the one who's insulting the people who were supposed to be buying the damn book. Well, there you go. Exactly. And and anyway, so um, that is confidence, man, from Maggie Haberman. Maga right? hey, Mag Maga Haberman. And sure you know, be, um... the thing is that the good thing is is that she is ratioed every time she tweets anything. That she will tweet something, and there will be ten thousand people calling her out on her bullshit on Twitter. But the the bad thing is that CNN has doubled down and has her on every damn day to be a, 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 a talking head about something because you know uh, CNN is now. Oh yeah, so, 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 the MAGA the MAGA network. You yeah, know. yeah. Alrighty. Um... We'll take a quick break. RuPaul's Drag Race UK Series 4, airing now on WoW Presents Plus Worldwide. Sign up for WoW Presents Plus, because if you're not subscribed, you're not watching all of Drag Race. All right, we'll take one more break, and then when we come back, we'll come back with the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. 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 You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James. We've been counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow. We've had T.S. Madison. We've had all sorts of hijinks. But we've reached number one. What is the number one thing this week, James? Number one. Um, I have a personal disclosure that I would like to get off my chest. I would like to confess to something. I've given up days of our lives after... 30 plus years of watching my soap opera. I have decided enough is enough. I am done. Uh, You know, it's always been creaky and hoary and corny as, as fuck. 
It has always been the the worst lit TV show on the planet. The acting has always been very questionable. The script, you know, this is the one that always has the the possessions that people are being possessed by the devil and people coming back from the dead. And you and, loved every minute of it. James. I loved every minute of it, and I watched it with my mother, and we would talk after every episode, as so many people do with their soap operas. My best friend, Junkie Jonathan, and I would watch it after the clubs every every day in the 90s but um it's really gone downhill since it moved from nbc onto streaming onto peacock and i wanted to support it i wanted to you know champion it and say that it was a good thing but it isn't a good thing and when it's not there on your dvr every day and you have to go search it out and you have to pay for it you get a little irritated with it and um, it seems to me that the quality of the writing has gone down more than ever. It feels like the actors were just making it up as they go along. Like they just sort of said in this scene, you know, so-and-so came back from the dead, go. And like, everybody's just sort of like make it, it feels really unpolished. And the, the, instead of opening it up, opening up the possibilities on streaming and you can go a little farther with the sex scenes. And it feels like everything has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And it just, it's very sad for me because it is for throughout my life. It has been a through line. If I move someplace, it's still with me. If I have a breakup, it's still with me. If I have, you know, a, a new job, I can, you know, it's, it's, it's been a part of my life for, for all these years and I hate to give it up, but, I am, and I just, I feel bad, but it's just, I don't know what to do. You know, my soap, All My Children, Rest in Peace, has been off forever. And there, are, I tell you, every now and then, like three years ago, by six years, it'll be a rainy afternoon. I'm home from work, whatever. I'm like, I wonder what's happening in Pine Valley. So maybe, <laughs> yeah. but I can't go back. Maybe, maybe you'll take a trip back to Salem in a, in a month or two and maybe it'll, it'll bring you some joy. Maybe. Cause I still, I mean, I love all the characters so much and they are a part of, they're a family. They're, they're part of my life, you know, but for some reason I just, I'm not connecting. And Tom moves so slowly on soap operas that in two months, you'll only have missed like two days. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I was uh, counting on you to keep me up to date with the satanic subplot line. Like, did you never get that resolved? Do you know what? No, we did. We did. Um, uh, Satan um, kidnapped the baby and was going, uh, kidnapped a pregnant woman and was going to go and be birthed into the Antichrist. And, uh, but then they put her and put him in his Pentagon and sent him back to hell. Oh, so it's all done. Oh, well, then that, yeah, that's all done. But now there's these masks that, that like you can look like anybody that you want. You put on this rubber mask and you can be any other character on the show. So there's like all like, like three of the same character running around causing mayhem. It's it's very silly. They all look like Lisa Rinna. <laughs> we we should be so lucky. <laughs> Well, that's all we have time for this week on The Wire Report. Thank you, James, and thank you, Tom. Thank you, T.S. Madison, for continually inspiring us. And thank you, Blake. Oh, and thank you for listening. Same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. Wow.